0: to Remnant Bible Fellowship. This is Brother Jonathan. Today what we're going to be talking about is worldviews and presuppositions within Christianity. Now, don't be intimidated if you've never heard either of those terms. Uh, we'll actually be talking about them and giving some definitions of those things. And we do mean within Christianity. There's a basic assumption sometimes that just because somebody says they're a Christian, that they hold the same worldview that you do. And that's sadly not the case. Um, Now, obviously, depending on how you define the biblical worldview, that may be the case. But it's not enough anymore for somebody to say, well, I'm a Christian, and you be on the same page with them. But we'll get into that as we go on. Now, if you've ever got into a conversation with an atheist or an evolutionist who generally hold to... A much different worldview than a Christian, you know, something like naturalism, empiricism, or even evidentialism, then you understand how frustrating it is whenever you're talking to them and saying, well, what about this? And you give them some sort of evidence for the validity of the Bible uh, to be authoritative. And they're like, well, that could be this. You know, well, what about this? Well, that's actually this. And it doesn't matter how much evidence or argument you throw at them. It just doesn't seem to go anywhere in their mind. It's just in one ear and out the other. They just reinterpret it. And that's because of their worldview. And as we go through this, we'll think that you'll see that this is absolutely the case today within Christianity also. But so to get into it, think about this. If I were to approach you and held up a ball and I said, Is this ball black? or white? How would you respond? Okay, here's another illustration. Now, if I approach you, hand you a ball, and tell you the ball is red, and you accept that, then how does that affect your interpretation of the colors around you, the rest of the world? If you believe that this ball is red, how does that affect how you interpret the things around you color-wise? Now, these two illustrations should help you understand a problem in Christianity today. Not with Christianity, but within that which calls itself Christianity today. The people who make it up. The first illustration is based on the idea of people being pressured to make a decision before they have any true knowledge. How are you to know what color the ball is if you don't have some standard of color yet? You know, he just says, well, what color is the ball? Doesn't say that you have any concept of color, and it didn't give you really any real information there regarding that. I offered you two things that were supposedly mutually exclusive black or white. If you know that you don't have a personal knowledge of color, then why would you try to answer until after you have studied, so after you've investigated? You know, is that, that, that that color that you're calling black really black? Is that color that you're calling white really white? Are those the only two possible options? Now, why does this matter to a Christian? Well, consider this question. Do you hold to superlapsarianism? Or how about this? Do you hold to monergism or synergism? Have you ever even heard the terms? Probably not. But they are ideas that you have almost certainly heard taught before. If someone was to come up to you and ask you, do you hold to monergism or synergism? Don't ever feel pressured to answer that question until you know what those words mean for yourself. You don't have to. You don't have to accept the terms and definitions of these armchair theologians who philosophize about everything under the sun but don't seek God. Most of them don't truly know the word of God. They only know terms and doctrines that were taught to them. It's very easy to see whenever you talk to them. And they ran after that sort of knowledge because they confused learning something, anything at all, with spiritual growth. Ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Don't ever confuse learning something, facts, systems of thought, with spiritual growth. It is not in, a, in your Christian life, people, churches, ministers, teachers are going to be pulling at you sometimes, sometimes unintentionally, for you to accept some false dilemma like this, black or white. For example, are you a Calvinist or an Armenian? Why do you have to be either? Neither school of thought existed until over 1,400 years after the Word of God was completed. Why are these two terms used to define almost every church on some level? People say, well, I'm a one-point Calvinist, or I'm a two-point Calvinist. Well, I'm a four-point Arminian. I'm a moderate Arminian. You know, you have all these people defining themselves by these two words. Why are these two words authoritative in people's minds? Well, because that's what they were taught. You don't have to use people's definitions. Use God's definitions. And either John Calvin or Jacobus Arminius were in the Bible. Simply study and state a biblically defined position. Now consider consider the second illustration. The second illustration is based on false knowledge. And this is really what we'll be considering more in this episode. So the second illustration uses the example of someone handing you a ball and telling you it is red. What you should have noticed was the fact that it was accepted that the ball was red without you examining it first. You just believed them. Now let me ask you, how do you know... That your understanding of the atonement is correct. Most people still hold to certain ideas that they heard or were told before they were even converted. Think about it. In order for an unbeliever to become a believer, then they must be told what to believe. What they were told to believe is doctrine. They were taught doctrine before they were converted. And in a certain sense, that's necessary. How can they believe if they don't hear the gospel? Paul reasoned in Romans 10. The question to ask is, how do they know that they were told correctly what it is? The answer? They should study for themselves after initially receiving. The great majority of people who are converted stay within the same church or denomination or school of thought they first heard. Lifetime members. Why is that a problem? Well, because there's so many different ones, and only one can be correct. Or all of them be wrong, and one yet undefined one be correct. is probably more, more possible. God does not make his word ambiguous. He doesn't. There is only one possible interpretation that is correct, and that's the one God intended. And since God intends for you to obey him and to walk in the truth, he did not make it ambiguous. There is no middle ground that makes all interpretations possible, especially ones that are contradictory. That's relativism, and it's rampant in Christianity today. People say, well, I believe the Bible teaches eternal sec- could teach eternal security, and I can see what other people say where they mean that it could not teach eternal security. That's sitting standing with your feet firmly planted in midair. That's relativism. And it's an excuse for not studying. The Word of God is self-consistent, because all truth is self-consistent. If something is true, that means it is conformable to reality, that which is. And all reality is consistent with itself. God cannot deny himself, Scripture says. He is truth. John fourteen six his word is truth john seventeen seventeen the spirit of truth guides believers into all truth john sixteen thirteen The Church of God is the pillar and ground of the truth first timothy three fifteen and if your heart is set to do his will, then he will reveal the nature of whether or not doctrine is right or wrong john seven seventeen Now, why is there no real unity? Not the false unity of ecumenicism which compromises truth in order to keep people together. That's not biblical unity. But the biblical unity of the Spirit and truth. For they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. John 4, 24. What does that mean if nobody worships the Lord in truth? It means that they don't really worship God. Now, I acknowledge that a lot of people simply don't care about the truth. They really don't. When back to a corner, they simply just make it manifest that they really don't care. Christians are those who should plead for truth. And you can listen to me talk about that on other episodes, such as the one titled Pleading for Truth. There is something wrong with what they believe on a fundamental level. They are being told some things that are affecting the way that they look at the scriptures. And anyone who is familiar with apologetics knows exactly what I mean. Why do evolutionists look at the same evidence that creationists do and are so incapable of seeing that it confirms the Bible? The answer is that they have different presuppositions. Now, Dr. Jason Lyle, in his excellent book, The Ultimate Proof of Creation, had this to say about presuppositions. He says, The beliefs that we hold to most strongly are called presuppositions. People are very reluctant to give up their presuppositions presuppositions are assumed at the outset before any investigation of evidence they are presupposed and control our interpretation of evidence we are often not aware of our presuppositions but they are always present just as we are always breathing even though we are not often conscious of it until we stop and think about it likewise our presuppositions are constantly guiding in our understanding of our experience Now, there are things that believers are bringing to the table that they assume to be true, that are coloring the way they see and interpret the Scriptures. And this is clearly not a new thing. This is throughout all of church history. It's a human thing. There are things that people are not willing to examine or are unaware that they believe. Um, In the early church, it was really common that People who were converted from Greek philosophy and these things, that they still held to certain ideologies, like the divine spark within all men. That's false. People like Justin Martyr, who they were quite sound in some things, they still held to it because it was just assumed. It was presupposed. They read it into the scriptures. It's not really there. People presupposing certain things about anything under the sun, things that they are probably unconsciously believing. And so they see it everywhere. But the scriptures tell us that when we must be converted and become as little children. Let him that is wise in this world become a fool that he may be wise. And when you are converted, every single thing that you believe, everything, is supposed to be examined. And I would encourage you, if you want a good, real deep discussion about this, I would encourage you to, to read Jason Lyle's book, The Ultimate Proof of Creation. Um, It's very, very well laid out on anybody's level. Now, things such as the person and work of Christ, the effects of the atonement, what a Christian is, how to become a Christian, and therefore, by necessity, eternal security or not eternal security. Those are all things that people usually have a view of before they are actually converted. I have personally seen... People given ideas about all of these things before they ever even heard the word repent once, if they ever did. As I said before, people must hear the gospel in order to be saved, yes, I understand that. But are they being encouraged to critically examine everything that they were initially told by the scriptures? And the answer to that is an emphatic no. People are taught to be immovable stones for their churches, their pastor, their teachers, their denomination, a school of thought, a seminary, etc. And within each of these circles is an accepted form of interpretation, if there's any doctrine at all. And if you even question it, they will cast you out. I know. My wife knows. My in-laws know. A brother in Chicago who just emailed me a few weeks ago through the podcast knows. Brother Warren Smith knows. It's everywhere and so within each of these churches like the Baptist denomination, the independent fundamental Baptist denomination, the United Methodist denomination, um, your Lutheranism, every one of these little groups that at one that prides prided itself at one point to not be the Catholic Church is in essence made their own little form of the Catholic Church because if you disagree or you challenge a certain fundamental belief, If it's even, if it's not, we're not talking about that ecumenical type challenging. People say, well, how is the Bible true? No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people saying, well, this is what the Bible says in a, any way that could be biblical. People saying like, well, why do we teach that when the Bible says this? You will find very quickly. That if you even question certain things or even say, well, I'm looking at this, they will more than likely cast you out. You will not be allowed to teach. You will not be allowed to preach. They will not allow you to do anything within their circles. And so they make themselves no better than the Catholic Church. I've seen people with doctorates refuse to even talk about doctrine, though that's what they teach. That's what they do. They teach doctrine. They're afraid of being challenged. Even in a brotherly manner. I'm not talking about belligerent, you know, nailing your 95 thesis to the door. I'm talking about just in a brotherly manner, saying, well, I, be, I mean, can we talk about this? Because I believe the scripture says this. You want to sit down and talk about it? They're afraid to be of being challenged, or should I say corrected. They're afraid to change their presuppositions. But that's the only way to biblical unity. Someone is right. And because it's biblical, not because they are something special. And everyone else is wrong. The Bible is true. And anything that is not completely conformable to scripture is wrong. You know, law of no, exclu- there's a, of excluded middle. If There is truth and there is untruth. There is no blending of the two. All believers should be willing to receive correction, be examined, examine themselves, and humble themselves if they are in error. Why? Because they love God, and they tremble at his word. It makes you question those who are unwilling to. Now, presuppositions taken together make up a worldview. A worldview is a network of our most basic beliefs about reality in light of which all observations are interpreted. Um, in a secular sense, things like the basic reliability of your senses. How do you know that your sense of taste, touch, smell, sight, hearing are correct? How do you know that your memory is correct and reliable? You say, well, I took a memory test last week. So how do you remember, how, how is it that your memory, that you took a memory test, reliable? And uh, Jason Lau does an excellent job of t- talking about all of those sorts of things in his book. I firmly believe that if people were truly given the full truth of the gospel, according to the scriptures, at the outset, then there would be less people professing to be Christians. Most people came under false pretenses. The majority of people who are in churches are not Christians. That's easily provable. Their ideas about Christianity are completely wrong. Most professing Christians believe that God doesn't require them to obey him. That's, that is demon, demonstrably false. But they were told that before they were converted. Most professing Christians believe that their future sins are already forgiven before they repent and confess them to God. And this is easily shown to be unbiblical from the scriptures. But they were told it before they were converted. I've seen it happen personally. These same people have no knowledge of the Bible. In fact, if you try to talk to them about the Bible and about God, they get hot and bothered and call you a legalist. They accuse you of being a heretic or unchristlike. I've had that happen. Apparently, talking about Jesus and his commandments and his authority as Lord is unchristlike, apparently. Their worldview, how they interpret things, is completely unbiblical. They have been lied to and they love it. It's the same. Um, charge that the Lord told against the Israelites, against the pastors, the chief priests, and the rulers of Israel in the Old Testament, read through Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Why then should they examine it when it allows them to sit back, relax, and enjoy their salvation? As one very famous Bible teacher said, a person's ultimate standard of truth is what they will always revert back to in explaining their beliefs when questioned enough. For a Christian, it always comes back to because the Bible says. Not because it's a book that is special in and of itself. It's special because of whose word it is. Their beliefs will always be finalized by God's word. The problem is that professing Christians have attached certain conditions to that standard. If you could sum up their ultimate standard of truth, it would be something like, the Bible is truth and Calvinism is it. Or, the Bible is truth and evolution is true also. They're attaching certain things to it. They attach some other things to it and therefore do not believe it to be contradictory to Scripture because they hold it just as highly as Scripture. Usually unintentionally. It was just something they were taught that they have not examined. Or unwilling to examine. And no matter what evidence or scriptural argument you give them, they simply will not see any problem. It's how they are interpreting things. It's accepted before investigation. So you have to show them that that's the case. That they are doing that. A good question to ask is, are you willing for it to be wrong? if I could show you that it contradicts the Bible. I have seen somebody's wheels start turning in their mind when you ask them that question, regardless of what it was. I was witnessing to somebody. I said, now listen to me carefully. Are you willing for it to be wrong if I could show you that it contradicts the Bible? And you have to emphasize the willing part. Force them to see that this specific thing is not equivalent to biblical authority. It may be something taught by it or not, but it is not supposed to be believed without examination by the Scriptures. You can believe things that are plain facts from the Scriptures, that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. That is not something that any Christian... In fact, you can't be a Christian unless you believe that. It is something that is so emphatically stated scripturally that that should not be a hard conversation. It really shouldn't, unless the person has believed something to be on a certain level equivalent with biblical authority or over it. And you always see which one they hold higher to by which one they revert back to when holding the two up together. There are people who say they believe evolution, but they say they believe the Bible also. But they will reinterpret the Bible by evolution, so which one is more authoritative to them? There is a very notable missionary, and I will not mention his name now, I do have respect for him, but when he came to us, I heard this in a sermon just a couple weeks ago, whenever he came to a certain passage that questioned, that he interpreted correctly, um, and it showed Calvinism was not biblical because of its logical conclusions. Because he is Calvinism, he chose to reinterpret it, and in his own words, that's in essence what he did. In his own words, he chose to reinterpret it to make it conformable to Calvinism. Now, which one's more authorita- authoritative to that man? Calvinism or the Bible? Just the other day, maybe two or more weeks ago, I had someone who used to be a close friend. Um, he has a doctorate, master's, and bachelor's degree in biblical studies. I believe he also has a bachelor's degree in divinity. But in trying to get him and his wife to sit down with my wife and I and have a discussion about eternal security, he said, and and I quote, we will not believe as you do. Then he shut the door and handled things very unbiblically. It hurt my wife and I quite a lot. There were false accusations and all sorts of things toward us. Nothing handled the way scripture tells us to handle these things in Matthew 18 and 1 Corinthians 5, even if the slanders they said were true. The ultimate standard must be the Bible alone, nothing attached to it. If someone ever argues that they will not believe something, then it simply shows that their will is their ultimate standard. It's not the Bible. Because if the Bible says something contrary to what they want, they will reinterpret it. And I've said, said this before to people. I am not against Mormonism be, just to be against Mormonism. I am against Mormonism because it is not biblical. If it were biblical, I would be a Mormon. It's not. Therefore, I'm not a Mormon. I'm not against Catholicism just to be against Catholicism. I'm against Catholicism because it's not biblical. If it were biblical, I would become a Catholic. It is not biblical, therefore I am not a Catholic. That is the reasoning whenever the Bible is your authority. You are either things or not things, or believe things or do not believe them, based upon whether or not it is conformable to Scripture. And because that is the case, if someone ever came to you and said, I believe that your interpretation of this is wrong by the Scriptures, you will humble yourself to listen. Because the Bible is your authority, and they appealed to the Bible. They may be incorrect, but this is where people who come together based upon the same standard, which is the Bible and biblical authority, could come to a mutual agreement, and that being the truth of the scriptures. So, let's look at another take on the red ball illustration real quick. Here's an... Excerpt from something that um, I've been working on writing. It is this simple statement, then, God is true and his word is true, that should be the summary of a Christian's ultimate standard of truth. It should be their plumb line conviction. Whenever a believer is confronted with new information or a new argument that is seeking to persuade them of something, it is this premise that they should examine it by. If the information or argument presented to them is in any way contradictory, to this plumb line, then it must be rejected. For example, imagine that God said the ball is red. A believer would then have confidence that that ball is indeed red. It would be their firm conviction that it is so, because God is true and He said it. Even if they had never seen the ball themselves, they would believe it on the basis of God's trustworthiness. Men may come and say the ball is blue or the ball is actually a square, or there is no ball. But if God said it is red, then it is red. Imagine, though, if a believer unintentionally changed their premise slightly by adding to it. What if a believer, maybe by some form of persuasion or deception from someone else, changed their premise from God is true and his word is true, to God is true, his word is true, and the color red doesn't exist. Because their premise has changed, how they interpret the things presented to them would be skewed. How would the person then interpret it if God said the ball is red? Well, they could redefine what red meant. Red here is used in a symbolic sense, meaning non-existent, and the ball therefore is non-existent because it is red according to this meaning. They could set aside the statement totally, This statement is not applying to believers currently because it contradicts what we know the rest of Scripture says. Red doesn't exist. Therefore, this passage can't be applying to us today. Perhaps some ministers could write books on the doctrine of the non-existent red. What if another believer then told them that the ball is actually red? Because they had not changed their premise from that which Scripture truly says it is. They had never added the part that said the color red doesn't exist. What would most likely result is a debate about what red means or whether or not the statement applies to believers today at all. As far as our believer with the skewed premise is concerned, this other believer has completely missed the point. Does it sound silly? Let me frame it in a different light. Is your ultimate standard that God is true and his word is true? Or is it God is true, his word is true, and my denomination is true? Could it possibly be God is true, his word is true, and my favorite teacher is true? Does this illustrate the point a little clearer? May I ask you, what is your actual plumb line? When new information or a new argument is presented to you, what exactly are you measuring it by? Do you think, okay, this and this isn't what my pastor said, so it must be false? It is possible to deceive yourself in something like this. Perhaps you think, this and that is false because the Bible doesn't teach that. But in your mind, you equate what the Bible teaches with what I believe. It is more common than you think. Never presuppose that you've gotten a corner on the market of truth. God knows all things. The believer knows that God knows all things. And this is where the believer's confidence rests. In God's infallibility... And not our own. Now in talking about this. I'm leading into a certain series that we're doing for the podcast. That I may announce next week. Specifically about what it's going to be. And it might be quite lengthy. But it is a fundamental one within Christianity. And these. Presuppositions that people have. I continually come up against. People believing things that they are unwilling to examine. They've equated them with the gospel. They've equated them with Christianity. And if you don't believe as they do, even though you have scriptural reasoning, they will call you a heretic. They'll call you not a Christian. And all these things. They appeal to certain synods and these things. And so then they place history, or a group of men, on equal par or above biblical authority. They appeal to everything under the sun, but strictly from the Bible. A good good point to keep in mind is, if you have trouble in your simplicity of reading the Bible, of coming to the same conclusions of what you are being taught It is a very good indicator that what you are being taught is unbiblical. Some people are taught to do backflips through the scriptures, and they get so confused sitting and listening to preaching, and they're like, Well, I don't I don't understand. Well that's probably because either one, your pastor and them are not teaching the Bible correctly or truly, or two, you might not be converted. Those are the only two possible, with the exception of maybe a need to better study, and that is possible. But in plain simple English, God is telling people, this is this, don't do this, this is this. Very rarely does the Bible in the New Testament in any way become confusing. It's usually only made confusing by pastors, teachers, or I should say false teachers, false prophets, and armchair theologians who learned isms as opposed to seeking God and his word. Thank you for listening to Remnant Bible Fellowship. We do hope and pray that you would commit your life to Christ and continue in Him. We desire to see people seeking Jesus Christ and coming to know Him personally. If you have questions about salvation, the Bible, or your own walk with Christ, please contact Brother Jonathan by email. Brother John, that's J-O-N, at remnantbiblefellowship.com That's John at remnantbiblefellowship.com